just being real. I got things in my life this morning that look like they're not enough, that looks like it's not good enough, that looks like it's not working. And so what I have one, I have two options. I can either praise God in spite of it and I can give thanks or I can die, lay down and quit. And I know every one of you in here has got something going on. We're faith people. We don't look at sight. We look at what we believe. We hold that thing up and we say, Father, in the name of Jesus, we give thanks for it. We give thanks for it. Come on, come on, let's praise Him. Come on, come on, let's praise His name. Let's give thanks. When Paul told the people, he said, look, all that food that they had sanctified for idols, that was they had sanctified and consecrated for demonic use, Paul didn't say you got to fast and pray for three days. Paul didn't say you got to speak in tongues for three hours. No, he said just grab it and give thanks for it. Thanksgiving is the thing that accesses something in us. Listen, don't allow yourself to get discouraged. Don't allow yourself to fall into that situation where you begin to complain. No, let's give thanks. We've got so much to be thankful for. Come on, we got so much to be thankful for. Prophesy to these dead bones. Prophesy to them and say, come forth, people. Prophesy to the people in your life that are dying. Give thanks. Father, we give thanks. Come on, come on. Yeah. Come on, come on, come on. Oh, come on, come on, come on, praise him like you feel it. Praise him like you've got the victory. Praise him like there's nothing standing in your way.
Like a 
was singing this song about 35 seconds ago, I saw the Father's hands just come and just scoop up and just gather up all of us, his loved ones, and just holding us in his love. And sometimes we have weeks that we have stuff that attacks us and comes at us and just makes us feel weary and makes us feel like we're not doing anything good and makes us feel like we're really unable to do what we're called to do. And then sometimes we have weeks where somebody calls you and they tell you all their mess that they feel and then that gets on you. And then sometimes we just feel like we can just discern and we can just sense in the spirit that our sisters and our brothers are just going through some stuff and they got some stuff on them and they don't even realize it's on them or that they even have it. And you just have a burden that comes on you. You just have a heaviness that comes on you. And you just want somebody to just hug you and to hold you and to make you feel loved and just like how the Father does. So I want to, I just want to make myself available this morning. If you feel like you just want to hug, just, I just want you to, I just want to hug you. I just want to make myself available. I just want to hug you. I'm not saying that my hug is going to feel like God, but I'm just saying if you have had that kind of week, if you've had that kind of weekend, if you've had that kind of morning where you just feel like you're just hearing thoughts come through your head that's not of you, that you know it's not of the Lord, but you know that it's just the enemy, you know it's just your teenage child talking and being away at you. You know it's just your spouse talking and being away at you. You know it's your family member, your friend, your loved one, whatever it be. And it could just be yourself. Sometimes just having someone say, I feel like I'm strong enough to pray for you or just to hug you, just to help you, helps. So I just want to make myself available. If anybody wants a hug, I'm here to hug.
Sometimes when I uh, when I come here, there's something. Sometimes my spirit, I feel, and I say, "Am I supposed to share this, Lord, or not?" And so I just wait. And but I think that what is in my heart, <laughs> which is what's transpired here, that even though we face all challenges. We have the most powerful, the most powerful uh, instrument, tool, spirit of God for us to be able to, to handle this. I was listening to a YouTube on uh, a, a pastor from Ethiopia, and this pastor challenged his congregation. He said, you can either stand where you are, or you can step on the shoulder of your pastor. And I was thinking, what does that mean? And then, if you're sitting, if you're standing, your vision is around you, what you see it. If it is fire, you're going, you see fire. If you chaos, you see chaos. If you feel fear, you feel fear. But if you step on the shoulder of your pastor, what you have is a vision. You see the landscape. No, you don't see only the desert, but you only see the greens. You only see the valleys, you only see the paths. And so my pastor has been challenging us ever since I've been in this church that his task is to equip us so that we can go out and face those challenges and be instruments of God. And so it's up to us to, to get hold of that. He bases that on the Word of God. As a child, as a youth, I used to have a recurrent dream whereby all I face is this cliff that I keep, I, need, I, I, I say I need to get up, and I keep just going up this cliff. Um, this was a time so there was no ropes, no nothing. I would just, I just, I just feel like I, I just have to do that. And then there's always a fear that I could fall down. And if I fall, the higher I get, the, the you know, the more I fail and damage myself. And so this was just a recurrent dream that I used to have. And and eventually one time, I go up. I manage to get on top. And then I see this beautiful, lush landscape. And I turn around, and I see. There was a, a path, there was a lot of people going up like that. I said, God, you're telling me there's a different way, son. I have a path for you, you can go up. You don't have to struggle, you don't have to go up this cliff. And I felt that this was what the message was this morning. That when April came, that we get discouraged, but we have Jesus with us. And don't. So be encouraged in that today. Thank you, Lord. Morris, come on up. We're going to take up the offering on whoever. The Kevin. Last night, I uh, 
I've had this word in my heart all week and didn't know how we were going to weave it together this morning. And then last night I heard what the Lord wanted. There was just sometimes someone will say something and it gives you the picture. And we were talking last night and she said something and it gave me, it, it helped me fit the whole picture. So while you're getting your tithes and your offerings ready, I'm going to read this to you because we read it and then we pass over it. In Acts chapter 2, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with gladness and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. There was a unity. There was something that transpired in the early church that I think sometimes we've lost that. This morning, your tithes and offerings are not going to go to One Love City Church. This morning, your tithes and offerings are going to go to meet the needs of those that we know around us in our family. They're going to go to do some things that we've got, that the Lord laid on my heart last night that we're going to do. Because I think that if we have all things in common, we need to look at those around us. What kind of needs do we have? What kind of needs are those among us? There are those among us who have needs. They need help. That's what we're here for. That's what the church is for, to meet the needs of people. So I'm going to bless it. We're going to give thanks for it. Then I'm going to ask you to come and give, and then I'm going to share some things on my heart, and then we'll tell you how we're going to do that. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing. Father, thank you that you desire that the family of God meet the needs of the family of God. And so, Father, we call forth the resource. We call forth everything that we need already to help those that are in need within our midst to be a blessing to those that can't bless themselves, to help them that can't help themselves. Father, we bless this. We give this. We honor you in our tithes and offerings. This isn't about us. This isn't about the church. This isn't about uh, individuals. This is about you. This is about us honoring you and bringing that into the storehouse so that we may have meat, so that we may have food, so that we may have the things we need to meet the needs of others. We thank you for it. We give it in thanks. We bless it. And we give it in faith, in Jesus' name, amen. Y'all come on up.
Stand with me one more time. Thank you, Lord. step one more time. Engage. Let's just engage the Holy Spirit together by faith. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, we we step into that place. Father, we desire to step into that place. We desire to earnestly seek after those things which you have predestined for us and you've already provided for us. We step into that place by faith. We step into that place. We stand on your shoulders and look upon the vast horizon of the place that we stand. And we say, Father, we desire nothing more than to see what you would want us to see and have what you would want us to have and do what you would want us to do. This morning, I ask that as I express and articulate what it is that you put on the inside of me, that you would flavor it, that you would that you would do something with it, not in man's words, not in words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration and in power, that your power would show up this morning, even in a greater way than it's already has, that we would see the manifestation of what it is that you desire for us to see. Bondage is broken right now in Jesus' name. Freedom from that which has held us bondage. Freedom for that which has been like an iron shackle around your, your, your legs. Freedom in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. has fastened itself around you has done so illegally.
it fits only because it's been there for so long. But it never was to fit. It never was designed to be around you and to be upon you because I've freed you from it. But for you to be free from it, you have to recognize that it's not of you, that it's not of me. Freedom is experienced. And I'm wanting you to be free and experience that freedom this morning. So strip it off. Look at that thing, whatever it may be, and tell it, be gone in the name of Jesus. You no longer have authority in my life. You no longer have the right to fasten yourself upon me. For I have been given a price. I've been bought with a price. And that price was the blood of Jesus. And that blood has made me clean. And that blood has washed me pure, white as snow. There is nothing that stands between me and my heavenly Father. So you be gone and be away from me in Jesus' name. And don't look at the failures of the past and allow them to dictate the successes of your future. The enemy always desires to replace something that which I have already redeemed. The enemy desires for you to see something that I have already washed and made right. What he meant to destroy you, what he meant to cause you to fail, what you saw as a failure, I have made into your success. And I've made him stepping stones for you to stand into that place now that you see everything. And I will show you the way, a new and a clear way that you need to go. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. got something? You're just laughing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, one more time. Lord, we don't want to leave this place prematurely. Lord, we just, one more time. We receive your love. Oh, like a flood. Oh, like a flood, we receive, we receive your love, love, yeah, hallelujah, hallelujah, come on, just receive it one more time, we receive, we receive your love, your reign, oh God, hallelujah. Hallelujah, yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Turn to your neighbor and say, I receive. I receive. I receive. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I receive. Thank you, Lord. 
1 Corinthians chapter 3, while you're turning there, I'm going to go ahead and read. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who were still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you were still not ready. You were still worldly, for since there is jealousy quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not attacking, acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted, Apollos watered, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. The only one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor, for we are co-laborers in God's service, and you are God's field and God's building. You know, victory doesn't come without conflict. And every victory in our lives is going to come at the expense of us stepping over the dead carcass of a giant we just slayed. Every victory. It's never going to just, very rarely does it just fall into place. Now, I'm not talking about man's words. I'm not talking about man's works. I'm talking about this thing inside of us that David had, that, that Moses had, that Joshua had, that Abraham had to where we say we refuse anything other than what God has said for us to have. But it's always going to come by us stepping over the conflict that we just had. It's always going to come by us stepping over the dead carcass of a giant we just slayed. But here's the thing. Do you really honestly think that a stone is what killed the giant in David's slingshot? No, it was the power of God joined with what he already knew was in him came and created a supernatural force where that stone became something more than just a stone. It became faster than a normal stone. It did something because he refused to let the giants that were taunting. Listen, do you understand that you and I step in this place and the demons taunt us? They look at us and they taunt us. They desire to tear us down. They desire to tear you down. They desire to strip away everything in your life that God has promised you and whittle you down to nothing more than someone who sits in this seat and is afraid to do anything because the enemy likes that. He's, he loves that. That's what he lives for. Now, I didn't read the first part of this to condemn you. I read the first part of this to give you a picture of what Paul's dealing with. He's talking to people that he's ministered to for three years. And Paul says, by now, there's an expectation in Paul that by now you should be. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying to us, as the church, as the body, you can keep playing, as the body, because I won't be long. Because as the body, 
there's something that he's doing that he desires for us to do, and the enemy wants to snuff that out. The enemy wants to do some. It's like I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, by now the church should be, bam, should be here. I'm not talking about this, just this church. I'm talking about this church. I'm talking about the church. I'm not just talking about one love. I'm talking about the church. By now the church should be should be a whole lot further along than we are. And that's not to condemn you. That's not to condemn us. Because I'm part of the church. But there's something that God is stirring on the inside of all of the leaders that I talk to and all the senior pastors and, and ministry leaders. There's something that God's doing that He's pushing us beyond the realm of our comfort zone so that we'll step out and look at the giant and say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies what God has said for me to do? So Paul says, by now, he says you should be spiritual, meaning that a body that's dominated by the Spirit, pertaining or proceeding from the Holy Spirit, of persons who are spiritual, enlightened by the Holy Spirit, listen to this, enjoying the influences, graces, and gifts of the Holy Spirit. We should be allowing the Holy Spirit to influence every area of our life to we are enjoying those things. But he said, no, you're carnal, you're fleshly. Anything that pertains to the flesh. We're not just talking about sinfulness. Listen, it says means with tendencies to satisfy the flesh, implying sinfulness, but not just pertaining to the sinfulness. Implying to anything that's in the flesh. Well, I don't feel like it. I'm tired. My children said that this week. I'm talking about I'm tired. I was like, you don't know what tired is. You don't. We think we know what tired is. What was that movie I remember about the guy who, was, who, who crash landed and then he got picked up and he was in prison and, and then he picked up, it was a tr based on a true story, and the guy gave his life to Jesus and went around and preached. And he was in a prison camp and they beat him till he was senseless. And at the end, when he was so tired and so exhausted, he picked up that thing and pulled it over. That's tired. Jesus was tired and was weary. Jesus, we think sometimes we know what tired is. I don't think we really know. And our flesh so easily gets entangled in it. And Paul said, Paul said, by now, there's a, there's a certain expectation that he had. I believe there's an expectation that God has for us because it's not in our own strength. It's in the strength that he's already given us. And so this is what I wrote. Number one, you've got to recognize your task. He said, you, we, are, we are constantly fussing over, well, I like Joel Osteen. Well, I like Joseph Prince. Well, I like Stephen Ver. Well, I like Pastor Lawrence Thomas. Well, I like such and such pastor. And I like this. And I like this ministry. And he said, you're carnal. Who is Lawrence Thomas? Who is Joseph? Who is this? Whatever it is that you fill in the blank. Who are they? Nothing more than God's servant sent to preach. 
So this is what I heard the Lord say for us. You are sent with a task. There is a task. There is a mandate upon your life that God has instilled for you to do. And you got to recognize that task. You can't derive your worth. You can't derive your self-worth out of your function. You can't derive your worth out of your function. You have to derive your worth out of your call. What are you called to do? Because if you derive your worth out of your function, then if your function is to show up every morning on Sundays and set up these chairs just as soon as everybody sits in them and they get all crooked, you're going to get frustrated because you spent so much time organizing these chairs. And now people just leave stuff everywhere. If you derive your, your worth out of your function, now the enemy comes in. No, no, no. What's the purpose of these chairs? To create an environment conducive for people to encounter God. The, the, the muffins and the grapes and the water. We do, we do that. Why? Because we want y'all to be fed? Yes. But why? Because something about eating, breaking bread, and having something creates an environment that's conducive for you to encounter God, for these to encounter God. When we did our breakfast, why did we do that? Because it created an environment and an atmosphere that was easy for the Holy Spirit to come in, and it's easy for us to demonstrate the love of God to somebody, to encounter God. So I heard the Lord say, for you, you got to recognize your task. And this is what I wrote. This is the other thing I saw. You can't recognize something you've never seen. But see, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, this is what he said. He said, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Just one chapter before the one we just read. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom. And he says, for which the, none of the rulers of our age knew, had they known, they wouldn't have crucified Jesus. But eye has not seen, ears not heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. If you stop right there, it's easy for you to say, I can't recognize something I've never seen. I don't recognize my son. Why? I've never seen him. We believe our son is in heaven. But I believe that I will recognize him. Why? Because if you stop right there, I'm not stopping right there. Verse 10, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. There's something inside of you that when you see your task, when you hear your task, there's something inside of you that jumps up. Recognize your task. Not your function. Your task, what you're calling, what you're called to do. Recognize it. Number two, he says this. He said, by now you should be, but you're not. For you are still carnal. You got to respond to your task. You got to respond to that which is on the inside of you. Philippians 3 verse 12 says this. Not that I have already attained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenly in Christ Jesus. Aren't you tired of living in the past?
Aren't you tired of always looking back? The church, the body of Christ, it seems like sometimes has a tendency to go, oh, I remember when. No, your future, my future is bright in the future. I mean, that's, that's what I believe. I believe that I'm going to go further. I believe that my future is bright, more brighter than it ever was in the past, that I've gone through this and worked through this, and we've gone through everything we've gone through to just stop right here, and that's it. No, you come hell or high water, come by God's grace and God's mercy, you will attain to what God has called you to do. And it may not look like it's supposed to look like in your mind, but it's going to be better it may not be in the same place that you thought it was going to be, but it's going to be better. What's your purpose? You've got to recognize You've got to respond to your purpose. You can't respond to something you won't receive, and you can't receive what you're, what you're resisting. God is in the course of... Of just since December, God has done things in your life and revealed things to you about who you are and your task. And I sensed in my spirit, I was one of them, that you're resisting the task that he set before you. And he's saying, why are you resisting that which is going to bring you the greatest result and the greatest effort and the greatest fulfillment in your life that you've ever had? If you resist it, you can't receive, you can't respond to something that you haven't received and you can't receive something you're resisting. He's wanting, yeah, he's wanting to open that up. And I venture to say that every one of us in here have things in our heart and things in our life that God has revealed, but for whatever reason, either because of culture, either because of influence, either because of somebody said something, either because of the way we feel, we're resisting that. Don't resist it. Don't resist it. It's time to go. And we're going to go in just a little while. I'm going to bring April up and we're going to tell you what we're going to do. But we're going to go. But I'm, I'm trying to get you to see something. Don't resist what God's wanting to do in your life. Number three, you got to rest in your task. You got to recognize, you got to respond, and then you got to rest. Listen, I know some of you. I look at your face every week, and I know, some of, I know some of your intimate, personal details. Some of you are wrestling. Some of you are striving. Some of you are wrestling with the very thing that God is wanting you to, to release. That thing has fastened itself on you. I, I've been there. Sometimes I'm, all, I'm there daily. It's not something that you just do one time and you're done. No, we go through this perfection. We're being perfected from the inside out. And every day you got to die to something. Every day you got to see something and you got to respond and you got to rest in that place. Rest is the key. Not work, rest. I keep hearing that. It's like all year I keep hearing that rest and rest. You got to rest in who God has made you to be because there's always going to be somebody that's going to try to get you to be something different. And it's not necessarily their fault. Church as a whole has gone through 
decades and decades and decades of reprogramming something that was contrary to what was birthed in the book of Acts. It's different. Even when I said we're going to give away the money we took up this morning to meet the needs of the people, something in you went, mm, what? Because that's what he wants. He wants us comfortable. He wants us doing the same thing. And I'm not saying there's anything bad with what we've, everything bad we've done. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we need to bring some things into perspective and recognize and realize it's got to be more to what we're doing than just what we're doing. I'm going to say that again. I, like, I want to write that down. That was for me. There's got to be something more to what we're doing than what we're doing. And I say that to me. I put myself up on that cross and say there's got to be something more. Lord, show me what I'm supposed to do. I don't want to do something that I've always done. I, I don't want to be the same person that I've always been. I want to be who you called me to be. And I want to step into everything that you have for me. But you know what that means? That means when I do that, you may not like it because you don't see the same thing that I see. That means you may not like it. But if we work together, what I don't do, you do. And what you do, I do. And all the other do-do's, we work together. You know, this is the birth, this is the birth of the church. And Paul is having to address the same things that we deal with today. Can we all agree that Jesus is the Son of the living God, that He died and that He was raised three days later? Can we all agree on that? Can we agree that that message of His goodness and His generosity and His expression of love, can we agree that it needs to be out there, not just in here? Then let's start there. Reward comes to the one that fulfills his purpose, not someone else's. Reward comes to the one that fulfills his task, not someone else's. You can't be responsible to fulfill her task. She can't be responsible to fulfill my task. But if she does her task and I do my task, what does it say? It says this, I planted, Apollos watered, but who gives the increase? Rest. Stop, stop striving for increase. Because that's not your job. That's his job. Stay in your lane. And this is the last thing I'll say about that. The reward, Bill... The reward, Michelle, the reward, Earl, is for you being you. <laughs> that ought to free you up right there. The reward for you, Langston, is to be you. Not that God's not going to show you more of you and develop you and change you and help you, but at the end of the day, He created you. So even in your imperfections, they're a reflection of who you are. Every diamond has to be shined and chipped and polished. But at the end of the day, it's still a diamond. The coal is a diamond. Every diamond is unique. Every fingerprint is unique. God has made you to be who you are being. The reward is for you to be who you're being. Don't try to be somebody else. Be who God's made you to be. Recognize, respond, 
and rest. In Matthew chapter 25 is the serve is the parable of the talents. And what's amazing, he gave ten, he gave five, and he gave one. And at the end of the day, the two servants that produced what they had, they both got the same reward. You don't live in Atlanta, Georgia. You live in Tifton, Georgia. But in the kingdom of God, if you do what you're called to do in Tifton, Georgia, and this person does, in, does what they're supposed to do in Atlanta, Georgia, we all get the same reward. But here's the thing. God is a, of the increase of his government, there will be no end. He's all about increase. We should be always moving forward. We should always be stepping up to higher levels of God. We could always be improving. We should always be getting better. Not better from a work standpoint, but more efficient, more utilized, more sharpened, more sparkly, more glorious, more everything so that God can use us in every stage of our life. But that's up to me and you. He's given us everything that pertains to life and to godliness. So that by them, by those things, we might do the works that he's called us, the task that he's called us to do. I see every one of you, and there's not a stranger in the room that I've known for a while. Some of you fairly new, but most of you for a while. And there is nothing in you that the enemy can take away from you, only you. And this, I'm, I'm going off the reservation, and then I'm going to call her up. There is something inside of me that as I pray, I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying this. Your frustration is not with each other. Your frustration that you feel is not with me. The enemy wants you to think that. The enemy wants you to think that your frustration is with your job or with your people. He wants you to feel like the frustration that you're feeling or the dissatisfaction that you're feeling is for some other reason other than what it is. Let me tell you what it is, and this is what I saw. Sometimes our frustration is a manifestation of the resistance that we feel to what God wants to do. It is. I, cr I cry out for more. I say, Lord, I want more. I want your glory to be manifested in this place, that place, every place that the sole of our feet shall tread. I desire that for you. I desire that for you. I desire for testimonies to come and you say you won't believe what happened at Crystal's when we ate lunch. I laid hands on this lady and she started walking. I want you to come back and testify to me that you saw something in Scripture and as a result of that, God has done something in you and you step into a whole nother level that you've never stepped into before. That's what I desire. That's what the Father desires to see. There's more. God wants us to do more. And I'm saying the frustration that you feel and the tension that you feel. Come on, stand to your feet. The frustration and that what you feel. Look at all the empty chairs. The empty chairs are a result of what the enemy doesn't want to happen. Prophesy to these chairs. Prophesy to that parking lot. Prophesy when you go home. Prophesy to the people and the, the absence that you see. Prophesy to them. Call forth life from those dead bones. Last thing, and then I'm going to let her come up and tell you what we're going to do. Sometimes I feel like if I hear, sometimes I have, let me, let me say it this way. I felt like the Lord said, if you take your eyes off you and put it on somebody else, I'll take care of you. 
If you take your eyes off yourself and put them on someone else, I'll take care of you. The kingdom of God is likened unto that. The kingdom of God is likened unto a man that had ten coins and lost one and then left the, t- left the nine to go find the, the one that was lost. A man who had 90, 100 sheep, one was lost. He left the 99. We sing that song. We left the 99. I feel like the Lord said, if you will leave your 99 alone for just a moment and focus on the one, I'll take care of the 99. Three things we're going to do today. Number one, if you have a need... Maybe you need tires. I remember my mama, single mom, needing tires. Because, I mean, it just get a little misty and we start sliding all over the road. Maybe you need your power bill. Listen, I'm not talking about you want a new pair of shoes. You know what I mean when I say a need, right? A need is something that you can't meet for yourself. There are physical needs, spiritual needs. We don't have any physical needs, her and I. We have spiritual, we have, we have, uh, we have spiritual things, we have abstract things that we believe in God for. But I remember being in the place where we didn't have enough money to pay this. I remember being in that place where my mom, when we were growing up, I remember that, didn't have enough money. It couldn't do, couldn't even buy your babies some new shoes. So if you have a need today, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to take this One Love City envelope, and I want you to write that need. Write your name. Write that need down. Fold it up. And come bring it to Langston. Don't be embarrassed. It says they had all things in common. We want to meet your need. I don't care how big or how small it is. Maybe you only need $20. Maybe you need $300. It doesn't matter. If you have a need, this is the Spirit of the Lord saying to you, if you have a need, write it down. We're not going to embarrass you. Maybe you'd be like, hey, how you doing, Brother Langston? You want, whatever you want to do. We want to meet that need. That's number one. Number two, come on up. And then when she's getting done telling you about what we're going to do for lunch, then I'll tell you the last thing. And when they said that they're hungry, the hungry Lord, what were we going to do? What are we going to do with them? We have nothing. He said, bring me what you have. And they said, well, we have nothing. But this little boy, he has his, he has his lunch. So when Lawrence was verbally just walking through the house last night, preaching to himself, I remember I was in the closet and I was like, what? He just was just like jumping around and just like, he was so excited. I heard the Lord say, and this is what he was saying. I heard the Lord say, well, our tithes and offering can be that little boy's lunch. It can't be. 
And so then they brought the lunch and they began to hand it out. So if you did not cook lunch this morning at your house and you came here this morning going, well, we'll go out to eat or we'll figure out how we're going to eat or whatever later, I want you to come and make a line right here. Because we're going to take that tithes and offering and we're going to give you money to go and get you something to eat today. And we're not just going to give you enough to go out to eat today. We're going to give you more than enough. And while you're there, you see somebody, you pay for their lunch. Because at the end of this, there was leftovers. And when you get done paying for somebody else, there's going to be enough leftovers that you are going to leave a tip for your waitress or your waiter that is going to be a provision for them. And number three, if you did cook at home, I'm asking to let's, let's leave the 99 that, that we're always with and ask someone that's here today that's not the normal for you, that's not the normal one to come to your home, that's not the normal one that you would feed, and ask them to come and, and feast with you and eat with you if you have provision and plenty for that to just step out and allow God to use you. Pray for them, be for them, not only physically feed them, spiritually feed them. How many of you planned on going out to eat today when you when you got out of church? Raise your hand. Y'all come on forward. Come on up. How many of you didn't know? How many of you didn't know you whether or not you were going to go out to eat or not? See, it says that they broke bread together. It says that they broke bread together and fellowshiped together. How many of you, because we cooked, we're going home. How many of you cooked and is going home? Raise your hand. All right, y'all come up over here on this side. Everybody going to eat at home, come over on this side. Okay. So you guys that were going out to eat, come over here. Anybody that was that had planned on going out to eat, come over here. And if you were going home to eat, come over here. The rest of you, here's what I'm going to give you the option to do. What we're trying to do is be a way maker. I know this is uncomfortable for you, but listen to me. We're trying to be a way maker. It says that they broke bread together. Sometimes the best way to get to know somebody is over some chicken. Nobody's going to say amen to that one. Chicken wings. So here's what I want you to do. If I want you to gather around with those who were going out to eat, or if you were invited, going invited, go over to the house. Listen, you can come over. We'll go get some more food. It's fine. The point is for us to fellowship together, pray together, minister to one another together, 
and we're going to leave the rest of it in your hands. But I challenge, this is what I want to say to you, that when y'all go out to eat, I want you to leave a bigger tip than what you would normally leave. I want you to bless the waitress. The last one that I wanted to say was I wanted us to minister to people. So if you come into our house, we're going to minister to each other. If you're going out to eat, you're going to minister to each other. The whole point of this is to be that demonstration. This isn't about just eating. Don't think of it as just eating. Eating is a way to get into someone's heart to minister to them, to bless them. And if you want to go out to eat, but you don't have the finances, and you want to go out to eat, don't let that stop you. Come see her or see me, and we'll help you go eat. As long as you take that which was given to you and give to someone else. Peter, Peter and James said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give unto thee. Are you with me? All right. Let's join hands. We're going to bless everything. We're going to give thanks. Then we're going to dismiss. Thank you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I know we have stepped outside of the box this morning. Stepped way outside of the norm. But, Father, I believe that you're breathing on it. I believe that you're going to do something through it. And that the manifestation of the testimonies that are going to come forth are going to be that expression and a testify to your goodness in the lives of the people that we encounter today. Father, we release that by faith. We rebuke the bondages that have been over your lives. And our, we refuse to settle for anything less than absolute total freedom in every area of our life, we release that by faith in the name of Jesus. Now we go, we give you thanks. We thank you. Say that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this, what we're about to eat. We give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. And now we'll leave the results up to you. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. You are dismissed. Thank you.